are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and simply the MC here on the People's episode of Locked on Dolphins. It is Tuesday, July 13th, 2021, and on Tuesdays on Locked on Dolphins, I hand the keys over to you guys. Whatever it is that you want to talk about, submissions come courtesy of reviews of the show, and also on Twitter, courtesy of tweets with the hashtag Power to the Pod at Locked On Fins with a PH if you are new to the program. If you're not new to the program, the good news is uh, you know how this works by now. I inevitably got inundated with questions like you would not believe you guys brought the heat yet again. And because of that, no administrative items, no opening soliloquies, no monologues, none of that stuff. We're jumping right in. Courtesy of MK, as our first iTunes review question, this was left on July 5th. So one week from yesterday, I am recording on Monday night late. Uh, If you guys get them in close to Tuesday itself, it takes a couple days for these reviews to show up in the queue. So MK, I didn't skip you, I promise. I just didn't see your review last time. Five-star review, power to the pot. Kyle, as always, love the show. Did your baby enjoy the fireworks? Uh, yeah, we, we are finding out she, one of the things, she's relatively fearless, uh, but loud noises is something that always creates that little bit of a jump scare originally, but she loves lights. So uh, I appreciate you asking your question. Out of these Miami greats, which triple threats in their best years would you select to play on this year's team and why. Number one, Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, and Patrick Sertain. Or number two, Dan Marino, Ricky Williams, and Mark Clayton. Uh, I'm picking number two. If you don't have a quarterback, it's really going to hurt your chances of winning. But I also really trust what they have defensively on the side of the football, including Brian Flores at this point in time. So as great as Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, and Patrick Sertain playing under the direction of Brian Flores would be, you mean to tell me I keep this year's defense, which has the foundation that was set off of last year, I get arguably the greatest passer in NFL history, not necessarily greatest quarterback, not necessarily most accomplished quarterback, but just raw talent, best passer in NFL history, I get Ricky Williams in his heyday with his rushing title in the early 2000s of 1,800 yards, and I get Mark Clayton, who would be even more dynamic in today's NFL. Yes, please. That's the group that I'm taking. Great question. Great way to start us off here on the show. We are off and running. Next question comes from one of our friends overseas, Great Britain. Go and nan your nan's nan is the username here. Five-star review the co- the show. Hi, Kyle. Big love for all the content from across the pond in England. I listen daily and find it incredible how you manage to produce engaging and interesting content, even in the dull off-season. There is no off-season. That's my, that's my secret. The NFL has mastered the art of taking just enough 
events and tinkering it throughout when there's no games being played to always own the headlines. And uh, my work at Dolphins Wire, uh, responsible for uh, five to seven posts on a daily basis dedicated to the Dolphins, uh, it, yes, prompts quite a bit of critical thinking to try and think of new angles on a daily basis. Uh, but go nan your nan's nan. Uh, the question here, question surrounds Mike Kosecki's an impending spiring contract. With the presence of the likes of Hunter Long and Adam Shaheen on the roster, do you think Miami will realistically end up extending Gasecki? If so, at what price? Um, I think if it gets done, it will have to get done before the free agent window opens. Perhaps they franchise tagging. Um, do I realistically think Mike is back? I would say flip a coin. Uh, I think the justification for an extension for Mike is rooted in you draft good talents. Good teams typically stay good by retaining their at-home talent that they drafted and developed and um, building upon the foundation of, of building through the draft. But good teams also um, have foresight and they have vision and they... Don't overpay. And if Mike set on getting a paid a certain amount, I think that'll hurt his chances of coming back. And uh, if Miami decides through their own internal assessment of Mike that his style of play long-term doesn't really marry, so his value to them is, is a little diminished, and they don't offer him what he feels is market value, is that would also hurt his chances of a return as well. Two token. Come on, man, you got to give me a question. I love a good five-star review as much as the next guy, but fins up. Amen to that. Fins up indeed. Uh, so we have literally the entire alphabet is the username for our, our next submitted question. Uh, hello from Lima, Peru, Kyle. Heck yes. How awesome is this? We've got United States, UK, and Lima, Peru now early on. Huge fan of the show. Congratulations on the good work. My question. What would your historical starting defense be for the Miami Dolphins? Let's assume two defensive tackles, two defensive ends, two linebackers, and five defensive backs. Okay, so we're going to make this as easy as we possibly can. My two defensive ends are the team's two career sack leaders, Jason Taylor, and I'm also going to do Cam Wake. Zach Thomas at inside linebacker is going to take one spot. Uh, I am going to put Sam Madison and Patrick Sertain. I'm going to keep that duo. Xavier Howard, let's make sure he's on the team this year, first of all. I'm not going to play him in the nickel. My defensive tackles, uh, I think... I think, I think I'm going to go with Manny Fernandez and Tim Bowens. So my defensive front is going to be Taylor, Bowens, Fernandez, Wake. Behind him, at behind those guys at linebacker, we are going to have Zach Thomas and Brian Cox are going to be my two stack linebackers behind them. Uh... And then I've already had Sam Madison, 
I already have Patrick Sertain. I'm going to do Jake Scott and Dick Anderson in two of my safety spots. So now I'm really just looking for who is kind of the best hybrid type that I could potentially play behind them. Gosh, that's tough. Um, I think I'm going to go... You know what? I'm not going to make this harder than it has to be. Xavier Howard. He can follow guys around. He can man up. He can play in the slot if he needs to. So, defensive front, Wake and Taylor at end, Fernandez and Bowens up front. I got Cox and Zach Thomas at linebacker, and then I'm going to have three corners, Pat Sertain, Sam Madison, Xavier Howard, and then my two safeties are the two legends from the 70s and Jake Scott and Dick Anderson. That's a great question, though, and, and I'm sure I could have finagled my way into just doing a show on that, but uh, thank you for great, great question. Thank you for listening all the way in Peru. Fins up to you. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action, no matter what you're looking for. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and UFC. So head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. You can head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Typically, I tell everybody about our first friends and sponsors um, after I've completed the iTunes reviews, but there's a load of them this week. So we're going to go back to the iTunes reviews from Von Carr with the next one. Five-star review, power to the pod question. Thanks, as always, for listening. Kyle, your pre-draft coverage this year was phenomenal. And I fully bought into your scouting, which is why I loved our first two picks of pounding the table with the Jalen Bros. You've mentioned before the 2017 draft, you were hoping we would not draft Charles Harris, who turned into one of our biggest draft busts. Can you give some insight into your scouting report on Charles Harris and what the Dolphins may have seen in him to draft him? Okay, we're going to take a painful, painful Extremely painful. Stroll down memory lane. I have pulled up my full scouting report on Charles Harris from the 2017 NFL Draft. Here we go. Uh, He was my 15th rated edge defender, 114 overall on the board. The games that I studied to notate him as a player, Florida, Kentucky, and Arkansas in 2015, Georgia, West Virginia, and Florida in 2016. He was six foot th- uh, six foot three, 253 pounds, uh, 32 and three eighth inch arms, which is adequate, not ideal. A little shorter in the arms. Uh, he ran 4.82 in the 40, which was below average. He ran a 1.65 in the 10 yard split, which was slightly above average. He put up 21 in the bench press, which was below average. 32 inches in the vertical, below average. 9 feet, 1 inch in the standing broad jump, which was below average. A 7473 cone, below average. And a 442 in the short shuttle, below average. So 
athletically speaking, that was the big red flag from my perspective, was he was a player who had a ton of production. He had 18 sacks and 34 and a half tackles for loss, but he did that in a Missouri defense that you saw their pass rushers annually. Remember Shane Ray who got drafted in the first round? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all of these edge rushers from Missouri in this defense at the time, they would do what Joey Porter did when Joey Porter was playing for the Dolphins, which is get way up the field. They were charging super hard, trying to attack the backfield. And the most useless place on the football field as a defensive player is when you are behind the quarterback. And Harris did that way too often. So my player summary on Charles. I think this was just a simply a needs-based selection uh, for a team who happened to be picking in the 20s because they happened to go 10-6 and six in 2016 and pass rush opposite of Cam Wake was a notable need on the roster. Missouri's Charles Harris is a well-built pass rusher with, some, with the tools to be a reliable starter in the NFL where Harris is in need of improvement is with some of his play diagnosis skills and football intelligence. Too often he is his own worst enemy and fails to adjust his course based on his additional sight lines. As a rusher, Harris provides an explosive mix of power, which makes him a handful to account for in the boundary. Yet when Harris is left to roam the edge as he has been in Missouri, it promotes poor habits in the run game, and too often Harris will run himself out of contention for plays. Harris will require some mental reconditioning in order to even out the end results of his play on a snap-by-snap basis. With all that said, his athleticism and size profile warrants consideration on late day two as he has highly potent linear athleticism. So he was really effective charging up the field. So great question, Von Carr. I'm going to pretend you didn't ask us to take this painful trip down memory lane and revisit the Charles Harris experience in 2017. Uh, Five-star review from, not going to lie, it's it's N-H-J-I-J-F. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. Devin, thank you. Sign your review. Thank you. Thanks for the review, Devin. Thanks for the show. Longtime fan of the podcast and our fans. Just curious what you think the top three improvements that the Dolphins need to implement in order to finally have an advantage over the Bills. Did I miss this conversation, by the way? I, th- I swear I got eight questions specifically about the Bills versus the Dolphins in the course of collecting questions for this week's show. What, what medium are you guys meeting and chatting on and have not invited me to? that you guys are having these closed-door conversations. Uh, You know, as far as contending with the Bills, Sean McDermott's an excellent head coach in Buffalo. Uh, Defensive-backed head coach. I do like Miami's personnel in a lot of ways to challenge Buffalo. I have a greater theory about closing ground on Buffalo, and I know I'm going to... Devin, I'm going to roll your question into being asked about, you know, has Miami closed ground on Buffalo? And this is really rooted in a lot of my experiences with the Draft Network and before the Draft Network when I had my own third-party scouting service, uh, NDT Scouting, and my co-host of Draft Dudes, Joe Marino. We got we travel a ton. We're on the road. We used to sit up in the press boxes. Uh, obviously, last year, everybody was at home all football season, but... Uh, hoping to get back on the road for some games again this fall. You get a chance when you're sitting up in the box and you're scouting the game live in person to talk to a lot of people. 
And one of the, the really valuable conversations that we had was rooted in uh, somebody who worked as a scout for an NFL team, and we're sitting up in the box, and uh, he offered this really insightful kind of perspective on team building and, and the team building process. And what he talked about was how teams build rosters and teams look at players through the lens of trying to beat the teams within your division. And it makes sense, right? Because you play each of those three teams twice. That was, it is approximately, slightly less than one-third of your full season is played against the same three teams that you can bank on are going to be on the schedule home and away every single year. But when you get to the top of the mountain, when you get to the top of that division, that perspective changes. Because if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I don't go into this offseason saying, we need to build a team, we need to continue to be focused on building a team to beat the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Well, you're already there. You won 13 games last year. If I am the Buffalo Bills... I'm saying I need to build a team that can contend with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs of the world. And when that moment happens, which it's happened for Buffalo, the perspective becomes not about building a team to beat your contemporaries in the division anymore. It becomes on trying to beat your contemporaries who are contending for championships. And when that happens and you, stop, you, you take the blinders off of the AFC East lens and you put it on the conference lens, now this is where Miami can close the gap because they are still looking up at Buffalo and they say, we won 10 games last year and Buffalo was three games better than us. We have consistently, for lack of better phrasing, excuse my French, got our asses kicked by the Bills the last five years. We need to build a team that can beat Buffalo. Buffalo ain't looking at you anymore. You're in the rearview mirror. But you're looking dead on at Buffalo. When we entered this offseason, I mentioned a couple of things. One of those primary objectives to close ground on Buffalo was finding designated pass rushers that can win raw one-on-one situations. Getting more athletic on the edge. You got Jalen Phillips. You traded away Shaq Lawson. You cut Kyle Van Noy. Andrew Van Giegel taking on a larger role. Needless to say, that's been accomplished. We don't know what Jalen Phillips is going to be as an NFL player yet, but we know he's more athletic. He's more dynamic. He's better pass rusher based on his tape in Miami than any of those names that I just mentioned were departing. That's critical because you can't blitz Josh, Josh Allen. You can't blitz him because he's too athletic. He'll break contain, and his arm is too good that he has access to the entirety of the field where if you blitz him and you're banking, oh, well, he's not going to throw it to the field on a comeback route at 15 yards depth because that's such a long throw when he's on the opposite hash and he's got pressure that's bearing down in his face. No, it doesn't matter. 
when your arm is that good, you have access to the entire field. So you can't blitz. You need the bodies in coverage, but you also need to be able to heat them up, and you need to be big and athletic enough to bring him down. Just ask Kyle Van Noy how that went for him last year in Week 2. That's a critical dynamic to closing ground on Buffalo. I think up front, offensively, Miami needs to be able to continue to generate more movement in the run game. The Buffalo Bills, you look at their defensive depth chart. They are up front on the defensive line. Sufficient. They're not stalwarts. They've got two stud linebackers in Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds. And they've got Tredavious White and a really good set of safeties in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. My co-host, the draft dudes, Joe Marino, is a lifelong Bills fan. He was begging and pleading over and over and over and over again throughout this past draft, please draft a CB2 to play opposite of Tredavious White. Bills did not do it. So you look at their depth chart. CB2 and the defensive front are the soft spaces for you to attack. So you got to have depth at wide receiver, and you got to be able to run the football, and you got to have maulers up front because they are undersized. Miami's got that. So all of those things combined, I think that's kind of where we can make some headway in trying to close the ground. But that big picture thing for me was really, you know, Buffalo, they won 13 games. They finally got over the hump with New England. New England had owned them for the entirety of the Tom Brady tenure. I think they beat Brady three times in 20 years. And they beat Miami. They've, they've owned Miami for the last five. So they have successfully, and some of this is because they started their rebuild long enough ago, and they have good management with, with everybody who's running the show there in Buffalo. Remember, they got a two-year head start on their rebuild on the Dolphins. They also happened to hit on a quarterback that was a highly uh, volatile selection at the time because you didn't know how he was going to develop. Well, they did a great job developing him. And Miami should, in a lot of ways, hope that their own rebuild follows the same plan and course as Buffalo because if that's the case, they've had a lot more picks. Their player development is going to allow them to really close the gap because Buffalo is now focused on Kansas City. They're focused on Baltimore. They're focused on Tennessee. Those are the teams that Buffalo is asking themselves, how can we make sure we stay, stay beating these guys? Meanwhile, Miami... You just got to focus on Buffalo, New England, and the New York Jets. Beat those teams, and the rest will take care of itself. Fins up W. Power to the pod question. Kyle, killing it as always, love the podcast. Since the Dolphins are keeping it close to the vest on who will be calling plays, who would you pick to be the offensive play caller and why? I'm picking George Gotze, and it's because he has experience doing it. You know, he called plays for 18 games or, or 20 games or whatever it was for the Houston Texans under Bill O'Brien before Bill O'Brien made him the scapegoat and took play-calling duties away from him. And you know what? They weren't any better when Bill O'Brien was calling plays, and it was because their quarterback situation in Houston when Godsey was there stunk out loud. The fact that he has experience, the fact that he worked closely with Tua down the stretch last season, I think those things combined... He's the guy I would choose, and he's the guy I expect, just based on my own personal hunch. I know nothing here. 
is going to end up calling plays for the Dolphins. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you are looking for something to replace a meal throughout the course of a day, something to pull out of the, the nightstand and eat late at night, if you wake up, you got some hunger pains, post-workout, grab and go, in your lunchbox, in your glove box, in the golf bag, you name it. These things are delicious. They are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all their bars, 10 plus flavors to choose from. They are absolutely positively delicious. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. That is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Don't wait. You can thank me later. You know, I like a total idiot before I started. Said, yeah, let's, we'll shoot for 20, 24 minutes today on the show. We haven't done a single Twitter question yet. Not a single one. You guys are maniacs. By the way, mentioned we didn't do any Twitter questions yet, and I got about 40 of them. So we're going to do our best here. Uh, rapid fire style, Pat, my good buddy, Pat. First question, Kyle, Brian Flores and Chris Greer have decided to leave their posts with the Dolphins and pursue their dream of becoming the cornhole world champs. Uh, they would crush. I have no question. Steven Ross has hired you to be the president of football operations. The uh, Assuming you're referring to the Bill Parcells football czar title uh, from back in the late 2000s. Who would you hire to be your head coach? Which three players would you cut? Which three players would you attempt to trade? Which three players would you call other teams to inquire about? Which player would you attempt to extend? And what would you rename the stadium? Pat, this, this sounds like a phenomenal Friday concept for this week. If it were me. I'm going to do that. We're, we're doing this on Friday because you have uh, sufficiently provided eight questions in a rapid-fire window. So, Pat, Friday, put a star next to it. Steve, explain how Tua Tungvaloa can be a top-five window passer according to GPS data, NFL media stats, but noticeably struggle on film throwing to receivers with limited separation. I don't think that it's... It's a, I think those are two separate things, right? His willingness to throw in tight windows was something that you saw prompt and result at times last year, holding on to the football too long. Especially when you think about how those issues are expanded by the offensive line issues and inconsistencies to be able to maintain blocks. But when he did, which he had to do a lot of just to try to move the ball in a lot of instances down the final four games of the season, he showcased that he has good accuracy. And that was to his best trait at Alabama was his accuracy. So the fact that he, despite the fact that he had the hip issue and he wasn't physically 100%, he did get a chance to train, he was more rehabbing, he still had the accuracy. Still had the footwork. We talked about that when we talked about uh, Next Gen stats and their assessment of Tua and his uh, ability, escapability 
uh, of creating uh, plays and getting away from pass rushers. He was second best in the league according to next-gen stats in that category. Your accuracy is also tied to your mechanics slash your footwork. So the fact that Tua had that accuracy in tight windows, you should be very encouraged about. Now, ideally, there's less instances of that when there's more speed and dynamic play on the outside. Dolphins craze. Who are some players' position groups you are worried may take a little time to get rolling and possibly being written off too early? For example, the offensive line could take a little bit before being good with one to two new starters. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're playing musical chairs. You're definitely going to have a new starter at center. You're definitely going to have a new starter at left guard, even if it is Solomon Kinley kicking over from the right side. And you're probably going to have a new starter at right tackle. Now, I think this team can lean on the experience from the three rookies that they had last year. That constant communication, I think, will help. Uh, I, I think I would be more worried about any timing issues with the wide receivers and the quarterback with the precision necessary against the New England Patriots in week one. Bills play a lot of co- uh, cover three zone, uh, so you'll have more opportunities in that game to kind of find holes in zone coverage versus the Patriots playing a lot of man-to-man. So uh, expectations for week one passing offense against New England is something that I'm at least keeping an eye on at this point in time, but that's a great question. Danny, Kyle, would you rather the Dolphins make the playoffs or two of balls out settling any franchise quarterback questions, but Miami misses the postseason? I, I hate you for this question. I genuinely do, but it depends on what the Dolphins miss the playoffs with. If two of balls out, Miami goes... 11-6, and six, and magically, by some act of the football gods, misses the playoffs again like they did this past year, first of all, I'll be a very bitter human being. Extremely bitter human being. I will enjoy back-to-back double-digit wins, and I will absolutely love Tua balling out. Uh, but if Tua balls out, you know, with the defensive side of the ball, I really struggle with seeing how this team doesn't win a bunch of football games. The defense is only going to be better than last year, guys. I understand Xavier Howard got a bunch of bounces of the ball, but there's a bunch of other guys on this team that didn't get bounces of the ball last year. Law of averages, Xavier will not perform to the standard he set last year on a turnovers basis, but the rest of this team, there's opportunities to be had. And I understand turnovers are one of those volatile stats, but at the same time, this team, it's a point of emphasis for them. I, I would feel fairly confident, you know, maybe they're not going to go 17 for 17 as far as manufacturing turnovers, but uh, they'll, have a, they'll have their fair share, and they can scheme up pressures to no end. Reese, is Devontae Parker a realistic trade candidate? Um, maybe at the deadline. I'd be surprised if they made any moves with him in the here and now, but... Uh, but if Will Fuller comes out and balls out like crazy and Jalen Waddell is gangbusters from the start, Lynn Bone Jr. and Albert Wilson give you some inspiration with what they can do in the middle of the field or potentially in the outside, then maybe. Uh, but I'd be really surprised if there was any movement on that in the here and now. But if that did happen, that opens the door for potentially a Will Fuller extension. You continue to Now you've carved out the role for 
Preston Williams. Preston Williams would have to prove that he could stay healthy. So I think there's a lot of moving ports before we get there. So I don't think it's necessarily realistic in the here and now. Tone Toto. Let's say Miami's playing in the Super Bowl this year. Stranger things have happened. I don't know about that. Not in my lifetime. Who is your dream opponent, dream outcome with the scenario? And what's the first thing you do when the game is over? Uh, I want to play anybody the Dolphins can win. And my dream as outcome is the Dolphins return the opening kick for a touchdown. They have a pick six on the following possession, and they're out on top by 14 points early because if it's a close game, I will die on the couch. Cannot handle close football games with my favorite team in the Super Bowl. Cannot imagine. Cannot imagine. What's the first thing I do when the game is over? Some of you guys might remember this. Uh, we, we're a dad now, so kind of toned it down. A couple seasons ago, had a good habit of getting on with some videos and slamming a bunch of whiskey on video uh, did it with the Miami Miracle. That was my most popular one. That thing ended up popping off for like 3,000 likes on Twitter. Went crazy. Uh, that's what I'm doing if the Dolphins win the Super Bowl. Um, taking a big old slam of whiskey to celebrate. And uh, we'll, we'll probably hop on a live stream and celebrate with you guys as well. Let's see here. We got uh, Ben turned in. Uh, Adam Crowley's take, which I like. Do you know what I'd watch instead of the Pro Bowl? Get the two worst teams in football to play the week before the Super Bowl. The winner gets the number one draft pick. That would be a lot of fun. That would be <laughs> that would be a wild experience to see uh, a no-holds-barred, quote-unquote, Joe Burrow Bowl, a Trevor Lawrence Bowl. Uh, now, if a team is three games comfortably the worst I would probably in that scenario hate it but it rarely happens that way how do you handle teams that have ties there's three teams that are three and 13 how do you sort I mean are you going all strength of schedule do you turn it into a four game playoff and a round robin like they, logistically it would never work but it sure would be a lot of fun to see him try Who's the most underrated Miami Dolphin? This comes from Mike Dolphins. Who's the most underrated Dolphin that played from 2010 to now? The first guy to pop into your head. Can I say juice? Is that an appropriate answer? Jarvis Landry made three consecutive Pro Bowls uh, in Miami. He was a superbly productive player. I'm not going to penalize Jarvis Landry for Adam Gase only asking to run four-yard crossing routes. Jarvis Landry got himself traded to the Cleveland Browns, and what he's been able to do since has been a good affirmation that, yeah, he can run routes. You know, he's not necessarily the most dynamic. He's not the most explosive. Uh, but he went to Cleveland, caught 81 for 976, averaged 12 yards per catch, uh, one year after catching 112 balls in 2017 with Miami, uh, which led the NFL but only managed 987 yards, 8.8 yards per catch. And then in 2019, he had 1,100 yards, 1,174, career high, 14.1 yards per catch, six touchdowns. Uh, 
Jarvis Landry was extremely productive in Miami. He had 400 receptions for over 4,000 yards in four seasons with the Dolphins. I'm not going to turn up my nose up to that. He made three consecutive Pro Bowls in Miami. Jarvis Landry himself has made the Pro Bowl five times. So that's the first place my mind goes. And it's a shame because the narrative on him was, oh, he's a glorified running back. All he does is catch his little dink and dunk routes and the offense is unimaginative and Jar- they, they're running it through Jarvis and he's limiting the offense. No, the offense just stunk with Adam Gase. So, yeah, I'll go Jarvis Landry. Derek, love the podcast. Highly recommend for anyone that's a Finns fan. How serious do you take the rumors of Xavier Howard to the Cowboys for a one and offensive lineman, Connor McGovern? Do you think that's a trade worth considering? So I had not seen this. I've since looked it up. Uh, it is a Bleacher Report article for trade ideas. So I don't think it's a rumor. It's a hypothetical. And um, I do like the idea of getting a first-round pick from Dallas of all teams uh, because I do think that they are a team that has a lot of volatility on what they're going to project. Right now their defense is very limited. Uh, They're obviously getting Dak Prescott back. That'll help. They'll be competitive in the NFC East, but that defense is woefully bad, like really, really, really bad. Connor McGovern's kind of is a reasonable potential starting offensive line. And with what the Dolphins have had over the last five, ten years, I'm not going to turn my nose up at that. So I think those are the right kinds of pieces. Uh, would I be super stoked about that deal? No, not necessarily. But logistics speaking, it would make sense. I just, I would not love getting that kind of return for the 2021 season. I would want maybe a little bit more impact for the here and now for the Dolphins if I were to make that move. You guys brought a bunch more questions, and I feel awful that I did not get to more of them. But we have gone about twice my my original stated strike zone was to myself. So we're going to wrap today. Uh, The good news is we have three more shows this week for you to look forward to. So hit subscribe on the pod. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm hoping to get some more time to revisit some more of your questions a little later this week. So stay tuned. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your Tuesday.